All right, so today, um, first of all, I want to tell you, just say thank you for everyone who's been praying for me. I had knee replacement uh, a few weeks ago, and then before that I had a partial uh, three months ago, and um, it has not been a fun recovery. Either one of them has not been fun. I've had seven knee surgeries, and this one has taken me out. It is very, it's funny, no, it's not funny, it's not funny at all, because it's depressing. I didn't go out of the house for a week. I've watched so much TV and move. I can just, there's a, a quote in here today from a movie, The Justice League, that you're going to hear from Lois Lane. But I could do a whole talk with just lines from movies. You know, it was good. The, the bowl games were on, the national championship. Now it's the playoffs. I'm pretty sure I could coach a football team. <laughs> I have seen so much football and heard the commentators um, and so it is, uh, it's not fun, but I really appreciate uh, all of your prayers, uh, all the things that you've done for my family to help out. I'm on the mend. I'm on the recovery. It's the first time I've preached since it. And I'm not sure how long I will make it standing today. That's why I have a chair right there. I can't stand. Uh, I don't like preaching from a chair because I don't get to be the vibrant, beautiful, full-figured person that... I know you like to see preach, okay? And so, um, but all of these movies, all these things I've been watching, you know, they've not been like inspirational, spiritual, like deep, motivational movies. They're like fantasy movies. Those are the kind of movies I like. I like movies where there's aliens. I like movies where there's superheroes, where there's people with powers, where there's uh, not evil, not like witchcraft or anything like that. But um, where it's going to take me away from like the reality of how difficult life can be. Like people who get into like, oh, Schindler's List is my favorite movie ever. What? (laughs) Really? Goodness gracious, you need to come to work with me and meet with a few people. This is, no, no. I'm like The Hobbit and, you know, movies with unicorns and stuff and... And, and, and things where at the end, you know it's going to end well. There's not going to be a curveball with some deep, you know, meaning at the end to cause you to pause and think of the blessings of your life. No, 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 no. I want Thor to come down and crush somebody who's evil, who's an outer space person, who's threatening the world. Um, but I think that, you know, the reason I do that, obviously, is... Uh, it's because when I'm watching TV or when I'm watching a movie and I can't do anything outside, it distracts me. It distracts me from the pain of my leg. It distracts me from the depression of having pain for three more weeks. It, dis- it distracts me from the, you know, the amount of uh, just feeling helpless and hopeless, making you know, Laura you know, wait on me, and um, I can tell she is angry. And, and uh, she doesn't say it. And she has a smile on her face, but she, and rightfully so, is angry. And um, we're trying to sell our house, and so there's all this work to do. And I'm just like wheeling around, maybe in a wheelchair, like telling her, what about, and just telling her to do stuff. It's not good. Um, and so I watch, I watch these, these movies and I, or TV shows or, or whatever because it distracts me. It takes my mind off. The suffering and the struggle and the things that are happening in my life that I don't want to think about or I don't like to experience. And I think that, 
you know, as we turn the corner into this new year, um, that we set goals and we set, uh, you know, we, we talk about spiritual solutions, not resolutions. A long time ago, if you're new to the church, we do spiritual solutions, which are resolutions that are spiritual and that only God could accomplish. So when they happen, they happen not because of what you've done, but because of what only God has done, okay? But all of us, you know, the, last week, you know, the big, you know, we had a ton of people at church. Why is that? It's beginning of the year. People are like, I'm going to church this Sunday. I'm going to start off on the right foot. And as part of my goals, as part of my spiritual solutions, you know where else is packed the first month of the year? The gym. That's another depressing thing is I'm overweight. I can't exercise. I can't go to the gym. And you're probably thinking, well, you can do upper body. I don't need to do upper body. You don't. People. I need to do cardio, and there's very few cardio things you can do with the upper body. I mean, I do air boxing and, and other things like that. Hey, I don't do that. Okay, so, um, but we do all these things with a desire to experience more life, with a desire to uh, kind of get rid of the old and embrace the new, to, with, a, with a desire for this year to be a better experience than last year, right? We want to have a life where there's a greater blessing. And, um, and, and we want to get rid of the part of our life that is unblessed, okay? Unblessing part of our life. And so we set these goals, these spiritual solutions, these resolutions with the desire, with the desire to grow, with the desire to experience more life, with the desire to become more like Jesus, or to become healthier, or to become a better husband, or a better uh, a wife, or a better parent. We set all these goals, and we work towards those things, right? And so, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It really is. But we also, at the same time, are acknowledging all of these struggles. I don't want that anymore. That's why I'm doing this. I don't want, I don't want any sacrificing, anything that's going to cause me discomfort. I I don't want to to go, go through any pain this year because that, that's not blessed. That's not, certainly not what God wants for me. And if that's happening in my life, I'm probably doing something wrong because if I'm doing everything right, then God's going to bless me. If I'm doing everything right, then these results will happen. And when these results happen, I'll get more life. I'll get more joy, I'll get more happiness, and certainly isn't that what God wants for me? He's a good father, he gives me good things. And so we pursue that at the expense, possibly, not everybody, yeah, it's probably everybody, but uh, with the reality that, and, and avoiding some of the things that are uncomfortable or desire to get rid of the things in our life that we don't like, that might cost us something, sacrifice, um, in the midst of pain or trauma or whatever it is, that we actually miss or we actually avoid or pursue, you know, we actually don't pursue or allow Jesus to speak to the very thing that develops our character. Mm-hmm. The very thing that develops our character. Our character is not developed in the joy of life. Our character is not developed in the ease and in the comfort. Our character, our faith, our dependence, our trust in the Lord 
is developed in the suffering and in the struggles and in the brokenness and in the, in the I don't know what to do, the hopelessness, the isolation, and I could go, the loneliness, all the things that when they come into our life, we, want, we don't want that. We don't want that. And yet, this year, every single one of us will set off. We've set off on the right foot. Um, you started the Bible reading plan. You started going to the gym. It's the third week of January, and you're not going to go. You're going to, like, beep, start. Maybe not. Maybe not. I have. I started out, you know, one movie a day to 47, all right? I'm not reading my Bible. Uh-uh. I'm watching Justice League. I've watched every Marvel movie you can imagine. And I love it. I love it. I just, I'll say, oh, there's the Jesus figure. I love, I love you, Jesus figure. And how does that fit into my life? And that's my Bible for the day. Um, I'm kidding. I'm not. I am reading the Bible a little bit. Okay, so. And if you're not, if you've messed up, that's why we're doing the two-year reading plan, okay? There's time to catch up. There's grace. Only at River City Church, Right? And if we need to stretch it to three years, that's cool. That's cool. That's okay. It might take you five years, six years, the amount of time it took me to get through junior college, right? But I'm through. I'm through and have the reward of working that out. And so can, can you. But what will happen is you will start off on the right foot. You will work hard. You will accomplish a lot of what the desires of your heart are, you know, the, the things that you want to grow in. And yet, in the midst of that, what will also happen? What is the, pro- the promise of Scripture and the promise of Jesus is that the storms will still come. The storms will still come. Even when you're doing everything right. Even when you're the best, let's say you're the best parent, you know everything what to do, you're doing everything with your kids, and they go, go sideways, right? You can't control that. Well, you can't control what happens in your life either. You can't control the details of how other people treat you. You can't control how you respond to certain, certain circumstances. Every time. You can't control what God's wanting to do in your life, what he knows you need to have happen in your life. Now, I'm not saying that God causes all of this to happen in your life, the suffering and these things. And so these things will happen. And so how, how, what do we do with that? What do, we, what do we do when those things happen to us? What do we do when we're doing all the right things, yet these things come? Well, I must not be living a blessed life, because if I was living a blessed life, if God was blessing me, then, he, you know, then these things wouldn't be here. So I'm obviously doing something wrong, or God's obviously doing something wrong, and so I'm just going to give up, I'm going to disengage. And we miss the very thing. We miss the opportunity to engage in our brokenness with Jesus so that our faith grows, so that our dependence on him grows, so that, that our desires leave the world and the things of the world, the things that we would love to happen in our life um, that, that, that bring us away from God. We miss we miss the opportunity to draw close to him. And we're going to look at a, a story today of, um, of, a, of a nation that did this in the Old Testament. Um, but in, before we do that, I want to say this. I want to say this because in worship, I was this week, the last few weeks, last month, um, I, I've been meeting um, with people, and this is kind of what's happening in their life to some degree. But there's also a lot more happening. You know, um, 
I know people who've, who've lost their parents or a parent this week. I know of someone who um, is in a marriage that seems hopeless, and they have children, and they are terrified about what's going to happen. I know uh, people in the church that are extremely lonely and feel hopeless. I know people in the church that I've met with that um, have been praying for healing in the life of people that they love for 20 years, and the prayer has gone unanswered. Parents that have things happening with their children that are devastating and are breaking their hearts, and they don't know what else they can do. And I could go on and on. And that's, that is just the reality. And if you are not in that season now, you have been there, right? And so you come to church, and we sing songs that seem like the antithesis of your reality. I'll sing of your love forever. I don't feel like singing of God's love. He'll never leave me. He'll never let go in the storms. Well, I feel like he's let go of me. Or, I mean, I could go on. How faithful, how good, what a loving father. All of these things that we we come and we celebrate and we sing and people sit there or they stand or they go through the motions and they don't feel these things. You don't feel these things. You feel the opposite. You almost feel like you don't even want to be here because what we're singing of, what we're rejoicing over, what we're, we're saying or speaking about or singing about in the reality of God is not a reality for you. You feel like it's the opposite. And, and I'll just say this, that as we talk about, we move into this, that um, in some ways I want to, you know, do we apologize because... We don't know how to embrace those people in the midst of worship to some degree, yeah. It makes me sad. It breaks my heart. It breaks the heart of people in the church that um, are praying for you. It is devastating. And there are things about that reality in our life um, that they're just not answers for. And so when you hear me talk today about embracing what's happening in a way that you experience or that you grow, just know this, there are some of you that that excludes. There are some of you this morning that are in just such a place of brokenness that there's nothing I could say this morning to change that. And I hope more than anything that you would leave at least with the hope that um, the light of Jesus Christ will come back even though you feel like he has left you and he has abandoned you, okay? And so with that, I'm going to move forward. Um, Romans 5, 1 to 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand, And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Okay? And so what do we see in this? We see like the part of the gospel we love, the part of Christianity we love. We rejoice. 
We rejoice, we glorify, we love God's glory, we experience God's glory, we experience God's healing, we experience God's life, the abundance that the enemy has has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, uh-uh, suck about it. I'm coming for you. He gets us, he restores us, he heals us, all those things. And we rejoice in that glory that identifies God as the loving Father and all these good things. But Paul goes on to say, he's able to say, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. That there's an invitation that God has for us, that in the midst of our suffering, we too can learn to rejoice. We too can learn and experience the love of Jesus Christ, the joy of Jesus Christ, the life and the abundance of Jesus Christ, not in a skippity, if I could jump, I'd do the like jump, click my heels together right here, you know, skippity doodah way, but in the midst of our, the presence of the Lord and in the suffering of the world and the brokenness of our life and the struggles of our life, that we can have those things. We can have those things. And, and the way that we get those things is by embracing them when they come. Now, what I mean by that is not going after those things and looking for them, right? Like running into the road. I got clipped by a car. I got a broken leg, right? And like, praise the Lord. He's going to, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. No, 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 no. It will find you. <laughs> Suffering will find you, okay? Brokenness, struggle, difficulty, it will find you. It, you know, Jesus says the, the storms are going to come. The storms are going to come on the righteous and the unrighteous. The believers and the non-believer, they're going to come. And when they do, the invitation of Christianity, the invitation of Jesus is I can meet you there and offer you something, give you something that will transform how you're experiencing the struggle in your life. And actually, not only you'll experience and have the joy and the happiness in the midst of what's happening in your life, but actually it's required. If you want to have, to reach the goals and the desires that you wrote down this year to become transformed into a new person, that you can't become who God created you to be unless you go through suffering. Well, that doesn't sound right. Well, it's what Jesus teaches. It's what happened with Jesus, right? He was a man familiar with suffering, is what it says, that, that, that he was so jacked up that people turned their face from him because of what he looked like. That he was betrayed by his friends. He was abandoned in his time of greatest need. That the father turned his back on him. I mean, that's suffering. That's severe suffering. Or we see it, you know, in the life of Paul, that there was a thorn that God never healed. And Paul talks about this and how in his weakness, God is made strong. That God is glorified as he still walks in the path of, of sharing the gospel, of living for the kingdom and embracing the life that God had for him and experiencing the joy in, this, in, in the midst of the suffering, experiencing the joy that God had for him. But that's not easy. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying, as we look forward, as you look forward into this year, one of the spiritual solutions, I thought about this. It's almost like I don't want to say it because I'm going to have to do it. One of the spiritual solutions that every one of us need to embrace is asking Jesus 
to help us in the midst of our brokenness. Welcoming Jesus in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of challenges, being uncomfortable, darkness, in the midst of that, I want to experience more of you. I want to learn to live in love. I want to learn this year, Jesus, to experience joy, to experience life in a season where it seems like there's only darkness. I want you to teach me how to have hope when things look hopeless. I mean, that's, I mean, think about that. Lord Jesus, Jesus, I'm writing down, will you please allow, as suffering comes in my life, for me to experience more of you? I want to grow in my faith. When that happens, when that happens, it will be hard. You will struggle because the reward is so great to grow in your faith, to grow in your ability to love God, to serve God, to experience his love and his joy in the midst of brokenness in your life is a treasure, is a treasure that when the world sees it, that's what they want. Anyone can rejoice in the abundance of life. Anyone, anyone can rejoice whenever everything's going great. Everyone can rejoice. Anyone can rejoice when you pray for healing and the person's healed. Which, these are good things. God wants to bless us those ways. These are blessings. These aren't bad. But everyone can do that. When people see that, they do the same thing. There's someone I met recently, and I was talking with them. Uh, we, we were like sharing our testimony, different, different people. It was actually in my new job that, um, that I'm going to do. And one of the people that we work with, you know, several of us, she's not a believer. We're, you know, people are like telling Holy Spirit stories, like crazy Holy Spirit. I didn't say anything. Um, and uh, because I would, mine would have been the best. And so, um, and so I didn't say anything. And at the end of it, he's like, so what? What's the, I mean, so what? So what? What's the point? Because we told stories that were fun, that were great, that were healing, that were positive, that were good. And he's got good going on in his life. He's got money going on in his life. He has success. He has a beautiful wife. He has kids. He has all the things that if we had them as Christians, we would say, we're blessed. Look at we're blessed. And so what does he think in his mind when he sees us? I'm blessed too. I I have the same things you have. And so I'm blessed. But what if you drop the bomb of a story like, yeah, I lost my job. I don't, know, I don't know what's next. I had to take out a mortgage on my house, a second mortgage. I'm in over my head. Um, you know, my kid is ad- addicted to heroin and my wife has had an affair. And, and I could go on and on, right? And so, you like country song. I could just talk about a country song. There's all these bad things going on. And then in the midst of that, I could say, or I would be able to say, you know, that, that God is just meeting me there. I can't explain it. That I have a peace. That there's something happening in my heart I just can't explain. And it doesn't make sense. He couldn't say, so what's the big deal? He couldn't say, well, what's the point? Because he knows that he's been through that as well, and he was not able to experience that kind of peace or rest or joy that we can. His hope became hopelessness if left up to himself. Our hope, the invitation of Jesus, is that he is hope, and if we have him, 
we will never lose hope regardless of what we see, what we experience, and what we're going through. Lois Lane says this. I told you I had a Lois Lane quote, right? <laughs> this is deep. This is deep. When I tell you this, you're going to be like, Lois Lane said that? I'm going to go watch Justice League today after I watch eight hours of football. <laughs> I'm gonna, that's what I'm doing. I can't do anything else. Lord's going to be cleaning the garage. <laughs> she is. She is. I love you, babe. I love you. She's going to be so much more rewards in heaven. And we're not going to be married anymore. <laughs> Lois Lane says this, the end of the Justice League movie. Darkness. The truest darkness is not the absence of light. It is the conviction that the light will never return. The truest darkness is not the absence of light. It's the conviction that the light will never return, that hopeless cannot reach me, that this is too big and too dark, that the light of Christ will never be able to restore this. And and the people that I was talking about earlier, this is what they feel like. This is, this is the condition of their thoughts. They might not have become a conviction, but this is how we can all feel whenever we find our place in the darkest of the darkest place that we can find. And this is what the enemy wants us to believe, that Jesus, yeah, he's not coming back. Not, to, not for you. He knows what's in your heart. He knows the mistakes that you made, that the situation you're in is your fault. And again and again, he lies, 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 and lies, and we lose hope. We lose hope. And in losing hope, what do we do? We pull back away from God. We remove ourselves from the struggle, and we go to the movies, or we go to the alcohol, or we go to the relationships, or we go to sex, or we go to, or, or, or we go to work, and success, we pursue fame. We do all of these things because we feel like the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that he is not great enough to overcome it. And the conviction or the condition or the feeling that that, that is a reality for us is very, very painful. So like I said to the folks earlier and to all of us in between, that when we believe this lie, the result is we withdraw from God. And so if that's true and that's a lie, then the truth is that when we find ourselves in the darkness, we don't withdraw from God. We desire and we pursue and we move towards him. And maybe your prayer is only, Father, I'm in the dark. I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like you've left me. I don't see you anywhere in my life. Would you rekindle at least the hope that you might come back to me? That might be your prayer. That was David's prayer. That's when you read the Psalms, two-thirds of the Psalms, talk about that. David, why have you turned your face from me? Why have you withdrawn yourself? Why, do I, why have you forsaken me? Why has your steadfast love become absent? 
Why have you caused me to suffer and crushed my spirit and my heart? Where are you, O God? Why have you abandoned me? Those are the things that David writes about. Those are the realities of his life. And yet, in those same Psalms, they usually always end in worship. They usually always end in David coming back and acknowledging that in the dark, it's dark, and he experienced very dark things, that in the dark, he would cry out to God, he would yell at God, he would be angry, he would be confused, his life would be broken, and then at the end, he would say, but my hope is in you, Lord. I don't get it, I don't feel it, I don't understand it, but my hope is in you. And David says was a man after God's heart, that he loved the heart of God in the midst of these things because God would meet him again. God would restore him. God would come back to him. And he would end up saying things like, better is one day in your house than anywhere else I could be. Better is one day with you than an eternity without you of the things of the world. The story of, um, holy shnikes. There's a story of this, of this nation of Moab, okay? And it says this. Basically, it talks about, in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about how this, this country, well, I'll just read it. Moab has been at ease from his youth and has settled on his dregs. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. So his taste remains in him and his scent is not unchanged. He's not unchanged, okay? On the surface, it looks like Moab's got it going on, right? He has an easy life. He has settled. He has not been emptied. He has not been challenged. He has not suffered. He has not had to sacrifice. He has not gone into exile. He has not felt loneliness or isolation. But it says that his scent has not changed. It says that and teaches us that his comfort, his rest for a long time, his avoidance and desire to be this way ultimately will lead to his destruction. And the nation of Israel right next to them looks like they're the unblessed country. They look like they're the blessed nation, and Israel looks like the unblessed. Why? Because they're going through suffering. They're in exile. And God is preparing them for something greater. And he's allowing Moab to fall into despair so that people will see Moab and say, you want this or do you want this? Winemakers, it teaches us this in this way. It says, um, winemakers during Jeremiah's time would pour wine from jar to jar. It talks about from vessel to vessel for two reasons. One is so that the wine would not absorb the flavor of the vessel. And the second was to rid the wine of the dregs or sediment that would settle into the bottom and prevent the wine from being pure. If the dregs were allowed to remain, the wine became too sweet and thick and spoiled. So what's happening is Jeremiah is saying, look at Moab. It's sitting with complacent, restful, content, praising for the things that do not lead to life, that do not purify them, which are the opposite of those things, the struggle and the sacrifice and the pain that can come into our life, means that they are sitting in comfort. They're sitting in comfort, um, so long that they have absorbed 
They've absorbed the fragrance, fragrance of complacency. They've absorbed the fragrance of just seeking rest. Seeking the absence of the things in their life that God would bring in to bring them life. You know, one of the things that someone told me a long time ago that I love, it says the role of the church is to trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. The role of the church is to trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. Now, what is the church doing usually in the Western Hemisphere or in nations like ours is that we do a great job of comforting the comfortable and troubling the troubled, don't we? Now, RCC is a church that we love and believe and that God has called us to be a church that, that comforts the troubled. That's part of our DNA and what we want. And we know that that comes through the Father's love. And so we extend tremendous amounts of grace and welcome people with all kinds of jack-upness and brokenness and say, come and allow the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ to take you in, to be transformed, and your troubles to be comforted. But with that comes the struggle of troubling us, comforting us, as seen in the children's ministry. Right? Why don't you want to be there? I don't want to be bothered with that. I want to come to church. This is what I want. This is what will fill me up. This is nice. I have to sacrifice if I go over there. I have to suffer with those little freaking two-year-olds running around, jumping on me, pulling my hair, sticking their wet fingers in my ears and stuff. Come out ill and sick because half of, half of you guys brought your kids sick anyway because you just want to get rid of them or whatever. You go home and have pneumonia for a month or what, you know. I don't want to do that. But that's the invitation of God into discomfort and to sacrifice and to challenge. Trusting then, well, I'm not going to go here on Sunday. I'm not going to hear the things on Sunday. I'm not going to get to worship on Sunday. So, Father, you need to show up in my life because I know that you still want those things for me. And that's a simple, easy, little baby step of sacrifice. But God wants to rid us of the dregs in our life. He wants us to become unsettled with being complacent. He wants us to begin to look to and invite him into our pain and our brokenness and not avoid it and at the same time end up avoiding him, not learning to depend on him and trust in him. When do we trust in God the most? When we are desperate. When we are desperate. You know, you call... Sally Finn, you talk about what Jeff's going through and Rachel. You talk to Rachel and Jeff, and they are desperate. They are desperate, and their friends are desperate with them, calling out to God every day. And some of you in here are desperate, and you are in a place where you have to reach out to God because if he doesn't respond, if he is silent, if he doesn't appear to hear you, that you will just be in a place that is dark and where it appears that light will never come again. A blessed life, you know, a life this year in 2019 that is full of God's blessings, the enemy would love for you to believe that it is also then full of wealth. It is also then full of comfort. It is also then devoid of sacrifice, devoid of pain, and devoid of suffering. Again, not that those things come from the Lord. 
He would love for you to believe that so that when they come into your life, you will avoid them instead of learning to embrace and to seek to find Jesus in those things. Having a blessed life is having Jesus, period. If you have Jesus, you have a blessed life. If you have Jesus, you have a blessed life. Now, there are people in our church that it's, it's been amazing. They get a terminal illness or they get cancer or they have something happen with their heart and they get to a place where um, they're not sure what's going to happen. And you go to pray for them, you go to spend time with them, and you leave like being blessed because they have Jesus. You leave realizing like there's a dependence. There is a reality in their life that in the midst of the darkest of the darkest of the dark where death might be at their door, they have the light of life. And they are living in that joy. And they are living in that hope. And they are living in his love. That is the most powerful testimony of what God's desire for us to experience this year is. Is to experience the blessing of Jesus being with us in our darkest times. Rekindling that we will always have hope that the light will reappear even though it seems like he is absent. Let's stand. Colossians 1.11 says, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient. As we kind of move into prayer ministry right now, um, again, there are a lot, of, a lot of ranges of where people are this morning. Um, and there, there are some of us that are just on cloud nine. We're rejoicing and we are excited and we're thankful and amazing things are happening in our life. We are the living testimony of the glory of God right now. And that is a good thing. And we need that in our church every day, all the time when we get together. To the extreme that I mentioned um, earlier and, and everything in between. But the, I, I just sense that what God wants to do is to meet each of us in that place. And if it's in the darkness or if it's in the light, to restore and to remind us that he will never leave us, even though it seems like the light has gone out, that it will always come back on, that he walks with us through the shadow of the valley of death, of darkness, which means that we will be in that valley and that he will promise and he will be with us, even though we can't see him because the dark is so dark. And so I'm just going to pray now. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, right? And so we do this at the end of our service. If if you're one of the folks that's trying out church for the first time and you're like gung-ho, it's January, I'm getting it on like Donkey Kong, and you're here, and you're here, just know like this is something we do that's a little different from other churches, and what we, what we expect and what we know is that the Father, his, his desire is for us to leave transformed, and that the knowledge of the Word of God, the truth and the power of the Word of God would not stay in our minds, but would transform our hearts, that we live a life out of our hearts, that he leads us in his spirit out of our hearts. And so in prayer ministry, what we're doing is we're just saying, all right, Lord, I yield to you. 
I want the truth of what you've spoken today to come and transform my heart. And that can take the form of physical, emotional, spiritual healing. And that can take the form of you coming down and in the darkest of the dark that you see the light and experience the light of Jesus Christ and hope returns to you. That could mean that someone that you're walking with who is in a bad way, who's given up hope that the Lord empowers you and speaks to you to bring healing, to restore hope to them. It could be anything. And everything is what he offers. And so um, when you come forward, I would just encourage you, what we do is we have you close your eyes so you're not distracted by anybody. And you just hold out your hands. And that's just in an effort. You know, that's just you demonstrating to God, I want what you have for me. I yield to you. I want what you have for me this morning. And then um, our prayer ministers come around. They don't pray for you, right? They don't, they don't pray for you. It's ministry. And so what they do is they come around, they lay a hand on your shoulder, um, and they'll just invite the Holy Spirit to come, and they'll listen. They'll listen to what they sense God's saying. You'll be hearing things probably individually, and a lot of times when they speak or they pray or they say these things from the Spirit over you, it will confirm things. We've seen people be healed We've seen marriages restored in this time. We have seen amazing things. And that is the invitation every Sunday at River City Church, that you you don't have to leave the same. And this morning is no different, that you don't have to leave the same way that you came. And so if you would like to come down now uh, to receive prayer, one of the other things we believe is that people who come down forward aren't the people that are messed up, like we all are messed up. And so... You can come forward, and you're among the messed up. And uh, that's okay. That's normal. Life is messy. And so if you would like prayer, come down. If you're a prayer minister of River City Church, if you could come down, that would be great as well. And would encourage you all to stay um, just to begin the prayer ministry time, even if you're new or this isn't, if you've never seen this before. Okay, so come forward, and then I'll invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants to do with us this morning.